Thanks for being great people this morning. Have you ever found it difficult to be uh, spontaneously thankful? Come on, I know you're, you're, you're no better, no worse than me. You know, you sit down at Thanksgiving dinner, you know all you really want is turkey, mashed potatoes, some King's Hawaiian rolls, maybe a dollop of that nasty green bean casserole. And then somebody pauses and say, let's go around the table and tell us something you're thankful for. Now, you're not surprised because this just happens every year, right? But in that moment, you're like, ah, pass. <laughs> and you know you can't pass because you sound like a complete jerk. So you're like, I'm thankful for this food. I'm thankful, you know. And, and what's hard is that because we're so blessed, because we have so much in our lives, whether you take account of it or not, it's very tough to be thankful on the spot. It's kind of like being sorry on the spot, you know. Tell them you're sorry. Sorry. Now, now say it like you mean it. I'm sorry. And so if you struggle with that, just realize you're in the same boat as everybody else. I get it too. And, and so we have to take time to to walk through this. And that's what I want to do real quickly through this morning is, yes, it's Thanksgiving, but these are some things I'm going to share with you that hopefully become a pattern for us because we should be thankful every day that we wake up with breath, right? Okay, God has given us life. He's given us a mission and a purpose. He's given us a plan and a path in this world. And so we want to walk through this. And so if you ever feel like you don't know how to be thankful, I want to challenge you to pull out this verse. This is Psalm 136 this morning. And believe me, by the end, you'll know what to be thankful for because you're going to hear it again and again and again. All right? If you've got your Bible, hopefully you can dial that up, turn the pages. This is Psalm 136. It's amazing. Guess what the first verse is? Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now, what you don't understand, because the Bible is just written and it doesn't tell all the ins and outs, is this was actually an auditory praise response that was going on, is that whoever was leading the worship would say the first verse, and then everybody else would say the second verse, right? So, Mr. Hoop-de-doo worship guy gets up and says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then the whole congregation would say... His faithful love endures forever. And then he would go on. And Now, we're not going to do that this morning because I know you hate that stuff. And we're definitely not going to sing it because I've heard some of you sing. Okay? And I'm included in that. But let's walk through this real quick. I, I, it's, just a, it's just a few short 26 verses, but I think you're going to get the gist of why we should be thankful to God. So, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. What should we be thankful for? His faithful love endures forever. Not only is He good, but His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him 
who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. Now that sounds like a funny thing to say thanks for, right? That God killed somebody. But what you don't understand is that through that action, the people of Israel were set free. And the life cost a life. You'll have to read the whole story at the beginning of the book and it will make sense. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and a mighty arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely, safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. He killed powerful kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance, a special possession to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our weakness. He saved us from our enemies. He gives food to every living thing. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Now, of course, I skipped some verses, but did you get the sense that we understand that his faithful love endures forever? So when you feel like you're alone and you feel like nobody cares, guess what Psalm 136 tells you? His faithful love endures forever. How long are you going to last? Are you going to last forever? Not in this capacity. But think about this. Forever means forever, right? And he's faithful and his love. Aren't you glad it doesn't say his burning judgment endures forever? <laughs> I'm thankful for that. And what the psalmist is really doing is reminding the people because they were people just like you and just like me that had up and down lives, that we go for a while and things are pretty good and then we hit a bump or we hit valleys and we have mess in our lives and then we come back up and, and we tend to forget in those hard days, in the just ordinary everyday ham sandwich kind of Wednesday day that God is good. And he's reminding them, do you remember where he came from? Do you remember what he's done for you? Do you remember how he got us out of bondage? Do you remember how he got us out of the way of Pharaoh? Do you remember how he secured us as a nation? Do you remember how he saved us? Do you remember how he provides for us? Do you remember how he led us in the wilderness? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? And each time, his faithful love endures forever. You see, he didn't have to do these things. It was on the basis of his faithful love that endures forever. And one of the greatest lies, and if you've ever fallen for this lie, I'm here to remind you that it's a lie, is that you've somehow done something too bad, strayed too far, been away too long, that God no longer loves you. You've fallen out of his love. I'm telling you that that's impossible. Scripture says his faithful love endures forever. 
Now, before I get to the rest of this, I, I want us to be word geeks for just a little bit. So understand that faithfulness in God's sense is not based on any result of anybody else. I'm going to be faithful regardless of what you do. That's a good news, isn't it? See, we're faithful when people are faithful to us. And then if somebody's unfaithful for us, we think, oh, now we can break the contract. God says, my faithfulness, and then he uses this word endures. And endures usually means that it's put under tension. It's strained. There's been some reason to stop being faithful. There's been some reason to not love so much. But my faithful love endures your stupidity. My faithful love endures your idolatry. My faithful love endures your greed. My faithful love endures your selfishness. My faithful... Isn't that good that he doesn't say all that stuff, but he really means it? (laughs) His faithful love endures forever. So nothing you've done, nothing you've thought, nothing you've said, no way that you've acted or lacked acting changes how much he loves you. There will be consequences, but it doesn't change how he loves you. And I wanted to remind you this morning, if you ever struggle with being thankful That's the psalm for you. It's easy to remember, Psalm 136. You'll get so sick and tired of saying, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, that you'll remember it maybe, and you'll have a reason to know why you're thankful. But just like with most virtues that we get, we don't instantly become thankful, right? How many of you, uh, show of hands, how many of you have ever met somebody that's unthankful? Come on. Okay. Now, let's raise the bar a little. How many, how many of you have met somebody that's unthankful that really does have quite a lot in their life? So it's not their need or their lack of something that makes them ungrateful, unthankful, is it? Did you realize that thankfulness is a heart condition? It's an attitude. It's a virtue that regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what's going on in your life, there can always be gratitude or thankfulness, even in the days of want, in the days of pain, because just like this psalm shows, he's there through all of that. But we also have to begin to practice a gratitude. And this is tough because there's times where we don't feel very thankful, we don't feel like we've been treated very well, and we have to practice it regardless of what we feel. And, and this is going to sound maybe a little cold or robotic this morning, but let me tell you this. It doesn't matter how you feel. We follow Christ. It doesn't matter how we feel. We forgive. It doesn't matter how we feel. We pray. It doesn't matter how we feel. What matters is what is true. Because our emotions and how we feel change like the wind. Right? And so if we only did things when we felt like it, very rarely would we do things. How many of you don't feel like mowing the yard, doing the dishes, going to work, paying your taxes, cleaning your room, doing your homework, forgiving your spouse for being a moron? I always love it when I say things like that because women always laugh and guys are smart, they're just like, Not falling for that trap. My wife has never been a moron. 
But let's be honest, God is worthy of constant thankfulness. Every day we wake up is a day to be thankful. Even if it was sort of as a bad day, the fact that you lived through the day, the fact that he didn't punish you for all the mess that you did, I mean, I'm so thankful for the fact he didn't just outright smite me. I know that sounds like an old, sounds like a good King James word, doesn't it? Smite. For all my stupidity before I even knew him. For all the times he saved me when I didn't know I was this close to death. <laughs> for all of my stupidness, my selfishness, my greediness, my evil thoughts, my bad heart, my all of those things that we've all been guilty of, the fact that he knows it and he didn't just say, I'm done with that mess. We should be thankful. But since we're in it all the time and since we know what's best, we have to begin to cultivate this a little bit. We can be thankful for who he is, not that he's just given you something or taken something away. We can be thankful for who he is, what he has done, and how he loves us, no matter what. There's many things we've all been, but we've never been unloved by God. That's a powerful thing. There's many things we've done, many things we've left undone, many things we've been, but we've never been unloved by God. Here's what James says, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He says that everything good in your life comes from God. Now, some of you are going to wrestle with that this morning thinking, nope, I got that car. No, you didn't. God gave you that job, allowed that money, gave you that opportunity. Now, that's one of those things is even just on your ordinary day, realizing that everything that's going good in your life, and, and it doesn't mean I won the lottery again. It means you got up. You had a bed to sleep in, you had a roof over your house, you had a job to go to, you had a car to drive, you had bus transportation to take, you had two legs to walk around on, you had a healthy body. All, I mean, But very rarely do we be thankful for that and say, oh, thank God I woke up this morning to the alarm clock. We don't usually do that. But because of who he is, we can be thankful for all the good things in our lives. And you think about that. You woke up the alarm clock this morning because you heard it. You can hear. You saw that it was early, whatever time you got it, because you can see. There's people that can't. And it's not any attempt to make you feel guilty this morning, but help for us to cultivate a thankfulness that every day is a good day to thank the Lord. Not just at Thanksgiving and not just when mom says, okay, before we eat, and you think, okay, what's the fastest way we can get through this so that we can eat, right? That's easy. But what about tomorrow? What about when the gas prices climb? What about when you don't get the report from the doctor that you wanted? What about when you hear the bad news? What about when you don't like what you see going on in your family, your community, your workplace? Can you be thankful then? You should. Not for those things, but thankful to a God who is still with you in those things. So we're going to talk about a few thankful habits this morning. You see, I believe it has to be something that we reflect on and put into play or we'll find ourselves being ungrateful. 
I want to tell a quick story to put this in, in contrast of, in context of what that means, being grateful. If you ever go to a, a police or a military funeral, whoever the service person was that's being buried, they do a formal service, they uh, give speeches, they sometimes fire uh, guns, three guns, seven gun salute. They take the American flag off of the coffin and they do a triangle fold in a very rigid ceremonial manner. And then when they make sure it's nice and crisp and neatly folded, it's handed off to a commanding officer or some liaison and he takes that and he kneels in front of the family member, whoever's the nearest of kin, the wife, the mother, whomever, of the person that was killed in service. And he says something like this, on behalf of a grateful nation. Now, let's be honest. In that moment, with the loss of a family member, does the flag fill in the gaps? Because you'd give anything to have that person back. But the flag is a remembrance of a government, of a police force, of a military that's thanking somebody for their service, thanking them for a sacrifice. And although it doesn't fill in the gaps, it's no different than you and me that God doesn't always come in and meet exactly the need that you want, we can still be grateful, even in the hard times. And it's not easy because it has to be practiced. It has to be practiced. So let's talk through a few of these things here and understand that I'm not saying that all of a sudden your heart changes like the Grinch and it grows two sizes too big and every day you just wake up, wow, it's a brand new day, wow, it's a great day, wow. That's pretty fake. But what I am saying is that we can develop the habit of sometimes remembering God's been with me through some stuff. <laughs> and in the midst of your stuff, remembering He's still with me even when I'm hurting and it feels like I'm all alone, he's with me. So I just want to lay some quick habits on you that maybe we can begin to practice. And, and here's the first one. Regularly give thanks. When you come to church, when you go to somebody's house, when you go out to eat, it's amazing how we've kind of forgotten our manners. Because somehow we think that we're hypocrites if we didn't really like something that we don't have to say thank you. But we can give thanks. We should make a habit expressing gratitude. Thankfulness rather than criticism. Think about that. Like I said, all this is context and none of it to make us feel guilty, but, but think about this. You go to a restaurant, let's pick a good one, Denny's. 
known for its incredible food and excellent service. Show up at Denny's, you order your food, and you wait, 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 until it's been long enough. And then you flag down the waitress or waiter, and you say, I have been waiting here 17 minutes. And I have not gotten my food. And she or he may say something like, oh, I'm so sorry, we are busy today. And you probably won't say it, but you'll probably think it. That's not my problem. Now, we've all encountered probably bad wait staff and long times for food. But the fact that you have the extra income to go and eat food at a restaurant called Denny's and have somebody wait on you and bring you food that you didn't cook, and it took, oh my gosh, 17 minutes? We should be thankful. Because imagine the opposite. Imagine you go there, and you say, I want this, and they say, you don't get that today. Well, why not? You haven't been good enough. Or they bring you the stuff, and it's wrong, and you say, this isn't what I ordered. Do you want it or not? Take it or leave it. See, it's about the change of heart. It's about gratitude. Is they didn't owe you anything, and you don't owe them anything, but we owe each other as human beings some gratitude for just being humans. And we owe God a huge amount of thanks for just the fact that he puts up with us. Secondly, give thanks regardless of the situation. We're going to have hard times in our life. We're going to experience pain and sorrow and loss and frustration and all of that stuff, but just understand that regardless of the situation, God is still good. Regardless of the situation, you're not alone in all this. Regardless of the situation, you can give thanks. And even Philippians tells us this. We should give thanks at all times. Now, it doesn't mean thanks for those things. Oh, thank you, Lord, that Grandma died. That's not what he's saying. And that would be a little weird. Don't say that. Unless she was really rich and you're the sole beneficiary. I don't know. But God is close to us in those times, whether we feel Him or not, whether we see Him working or not, and we can give thanks even when the situation doesn't seem to be very thankful because of who He is. How about giving thanks when it's all good? See, it's amazing to me as a pastor, as a professional Christian, people are always interested in what God has to say when things aren't going well. They run to church, they run to God, they want to know the scripture, they want to learn how to pray, they want to figure it out. How do I fix this? How do I, when things are falling apart and yet when things are good, church, where's that? Bible, I don't even know where I left it. Nobody's caring about that, but what a great principle that when things are good, right? Now this is one area where I can, I won't say boast, but I can comment on myself. This is something that I have finally feel like I've got a hold of it. It doesn't mean that I'm not sarcastic, and it doesn't mean that I don't at times tend to look through a, a realistic negative lens, but 
this is my practice, that when I go for simple things, good things, I give God praise. What do I mean? I drive up Ocean Beach, I get ready to turn left on 42nd Avenue, and when I pull up, I'm the last car there, but when I pull up the green light, I get the arrow to turn. And I don't think, whoo, time to just write. I have taught myself to say, thank you, Lord. I could have sat there. Now, again, it's just a stoplight. I'm putting gas in my car. I want to go to $20. And yet my reflexes aren't what they used to be. And I think it's programmed into those stupid machines that once you get to like 98, as soon as the next squeeze, it's always going to jump three or four cents. Anybody with me? Reach it. And you know what I say instead of, ugh? I say, thank God for the abundance that I've got the four cents. Right? Now, I'm not in trouble. My life's not in peril. Nothing holds sway. Nothing's swinging in the balance. But those are good things. When my grandboy is tearing things up, thank God he's alive and tearing things up. Not in a hospital bed. Yeah? When my daughter was younger and she sang all the time, thank God, because she grew up and moved away. And I missed her singing. But then she made a carbon copy of herself. That sings in my car all the time. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And there's nothing negative. It, can we be thankful in good times? But we don't. We tend to just say, almost like we deserve it. I'm so blessed. I'm such a good guy. I just deserve this good day. How about we say, Lord, you have been with us, and when it's good, you are so good. Thank you. Lord, and when it's not, thank you for being with me through that. You are so good. Thank you. I mean, it doesn't take that much out of us, right? You don't have to come to church. You don't have to go to confession. But you may have to just change your habit of always seeing the negative and always commenting and not having gratitude for anything. And I find myself there. I'm human most of the time. Right? If you don't know, I go to McDonald's a lot, and I encounter people a lot. And people can be very trying. But you know what? I'm thankful for people. <laughs> and really, how much? I mean, I, I'm a pretty routine guy. I go to McDonald's for breakfast every day and order a sausage McMuffin without cheese and a Diet Coke. So much so that when I come in, they know what I'm going to order. And I know Juan, and I know Lupe, and I know Bri Brienne, and I know Ayla, and I know Lyric, <laughs> and I know Mitzi that wait on me. And they know when I'm coming in, they know what I'm going to get. And yet sometimes I get cheese on my, egg, on my sausage McMuffin. But I don't want cheese on my sausage McMuffin. In fact, I order it without cheese. 
and I have the opportunity to be an ungracious customer and take my sausage McMuffin with cheese and slam it back on the table and say, this is not what I ordered. Anybody ever seen that? And it's worth all of my emotions and all of my anger and all of my, I got, don't have time for this, for a $1.19 piece of food that at best, just scrape off the cheese and be thankful that you got the food. Right? And I'm not saying that we put up with bad service, and, but I'm saying that it's a hard adjustment because however we look at things, right, is going to determine our course. We can give thanks when things are good. Moving on. Here's a big one. How about believing that bad experiences can produce good outcomes? If you're like me, and maybe some of you are, you realize that pain is what persuades you to change your ways. Some people are natural rule followers. Some people, they don't want to push the boundaries. Me, I'm like a mile and a half over the boundary, and I go, oops. And God's got to pound it into me at times. But all of those things, did you know the Bible even talks about that? He's taking all of our experiences, bad and good, and working them together on our behalf. We should be thankful for that. That it's not punishment, but it's Him trying to work good. He's trying to draw us into a good place. He's trying to help us. And that we can have bad experiences, and we will have bad experiences that can produce good outcomes. But if for you, the world is just bad and most of your experience is bad, most of your people you know experience is bad, then whatever you look for, you're going to find. But I challenge you, look for the good and understand that bad experiences don't have to produce bad results. Bad experiences can result in good results. How about making thankfulness part of your time with others? Not just with God, but the people around us. So I'll give you an example of the last one, bad experiences creating good results. As a pastor, specifically here in Longview, I have done a ton of funerals. A ton. My first year year here, I did 14. And I've done way more funerals than I've done weddings. And one thing that I've noticed out of all the funerals, and I've only seen a few of them that I would say, wow, you guys get it, is that as a species, especially for those of us in the West, those of us that have kind of a European, prim, proper, hold your emotions back type culture, we tend to wait until somebody's dead before we say nice things about them and tell them how thankful that we were. <laughs> and I, I've chosen to make it a habit to say thank you for stuff. And times it's funny because it makes people feel awkward, but what a great habit to be thankful for just the people around us. 
Thanks for making dinner. It was ramen. It doesn't matter, <laughs> right? You bought it from Ichi. It doesn't matter. Thank you. What I mean, you know what I'm saying? What is wrong with saying thank you? What's wrong with expressing gratitude? Thank you for being my husband. Thank you for being my wife. Thank you for being my daughter. Thank you for being my son, my son-in-law. Thank you for being a good church. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with that, especially on a routine basis, right? But what's sad is many times when we feel somebody saying that to us, it almost feels like they're, what do you want? And it reveals that we've got some issues on the inside. Make thankfulness part of your time with other people. Say thank you to people in your life. Right? Especially the people closest to you. Even if it feels awkward, pull your kids up on your lap. Pull your teenagers in close and make them feel weird and give them a big hug and say, thank you for being a teenager. And just keep squeezing. When you hear bones pop, you can stop, okay? <laughs> and last but not least is this. I want to challenge you, lean into the strength that thankfulness provides. You see, I found that people that are thankful when hard times come, they know what perseverance is like. They've leaned into the gratitude of their life, leaned in to the gratitude of God and what He's meant to them, and it helps them persevere through hard times. Because if not, then we, everybody becomes the enemy, the world, they, them, all these nameless, faceless, and we begin to get bitter. And, and you've probably heard this story, but it's, it's like the, the old man that was kind of a grumpy old guy anyway, and the, his grandkids decided they were going to play a, a trick on him, and he falls asleep, and they took Limburger cheese. I don't know if you know what Limburger cheese is, but it's super stinky cheese. And they rubbed it in his mustache while he was asleep. And so he wakes up and he goes, this couch stinks. And he moved into the living room. This living room stinks. This whole house stinks. And he's outside to get some fresh air. The whole world stinks. But it's only his perspective. And if we're not careful... We begin that, and the Internet's feeding you that, and social media is feeding you that, and people around you are feeding you that. How about we take a break from that harsh unreality and be people that lean into thankfulness? We lean into the strength that when I know that God is for me, I can go through the hard times. When I know that I've got good people around me, I won't have to back up or break down. When I know that, that God has been for me every time something bad has happened, I've got some good friends I can call, I can lean in instead of pushing away. Lean in. What's keeping you from being a thankful person? And don't fool yourself this morning. Well, you don't know my story, Pastor. Yep, you're right. But you're alive. And you're in a sea of people 
but some will care for you if you give them a chance. And maybe the reason you're in the spot that you're in, if you feel like you've got that hard story, is maybe God's trying to see if you'll be grateful. Hmm? Maybe it's just a small test. Right? And you think, that's a bunch of psychobabble. If you have children and you love your children, you want to give them things. But you've also taught them silly things because you know they're going to have to interact with other people. Right? So when your kid says, I want dessert, you as a parent, you've got an option. Slap them out of the chair into the floor. Don't use that tone with me. Or you probably say something like this. What's the magic word? Right? Why do we do that? Does it change the flavor of the food? Does it change your relationship? There's something in us that wants graciousness and gratitude. And the power of thank you helps unlock that, right? Can I have some dessert, please? And even when you don't teach it, and I'm, I'm so thankful for my grandkids, I tell you, this little grandboy that I've got, he is a holy terror, but he is so wonderful. Because when he is sweet, he is sweet with his little voice. And there's, I, I don't know if I'm going to make him diabetic or overweight or whatever I'm going to do, but he loves the little dark foil-wrapped Hershey's Kisses, right? Even at times when he doesn't ask for it, I just love to hear him say it. And so I pull it out, pull out the wrapper, put it on my palm and hand it down to him. And in his little bitty boy voice, he takes the chocolate and says, thank you, Papa. There's another hundred right here, son. <laughs> Take them all. Unfortunately, he would. <laughs> He's still my grandson. And if I gave it to him and he forgot one time, I wouldn't take it back. But the joy of just those words, what do you think it does to God when we say, thank you, Papa. Thank you, Father. For just that little thing. And he means it too. <laughs> That's powerful. It's powerful to be able to say thank you. Last but not least, I just want you to understand it's in my opinion, this is not the scriptures. Thanksgiving is a superpower, <laughs> it enables us to see past our experiences and embrace how God is moving in our lives. Not only are thankful people able to draw strength from their attitude, but they're also able to empower others, right? When you live a life of gratitude and people see what you're going through, it helps them know how to respond. When, 
When they see you being thankful, they know how to respond. When they see you drawing close to God in hard times, they know how to respond. It's a, it's a superpower that we can be thankful no matter what the situation is.